Hit record. Dead. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. Bullshit. Oh my God. Fuck me. And 30 minutes later. Oh God. But go ahead. Go ahead. Pull down your pants. It's the bullshit filter end of 2019 special Aww. edition. Welcome yes. to our last bullshit filter. Actually, our last uh, podcast recording of 2009, my little bubble boy. Yeah, yeah if, if anybody's out there listening, going to take your pants off, now's the time because who knows what's going to happen in this last episode. Who knows? Did you survive the uh, Sol Invictus celebrations of your family, <laughs> Ray? Uh, survived, yes. Um, I got some clothes and a back scratcher. Uh, pretty exciting stuff around here. What about you? What I like is when you combine those two things into one. I want my clothes <laughs> to have an inbuilt back scratcher. Ooh, you can mm. just twitch and that way mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty smart. That's on the shirt on the bottoms, little inbuilt dick tickler. Uh, <laughs> Make sure the, the wheel's going the right way. Right, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. The, the, was my porn name. And a shout out to um, <laughs> Farmer Oscar, who actually posted yeah. a photo recently of his uh, dick tickling mug, coffee mug, uh, Ooh, sitting in okay. the uh, cup holder of his tractor. <laughs> Or his, or his <laughs> uh, bike, or his dirt bike, or something like that. Whatever contraption. It's the first, yeah. first photo I think I've ever seen of the dick tickling mug in the wild. I think maybe James <laughs> Caffin, who created the artwork for that, and I'm very happy. Uh, uh, yes, well, as you know, I, I don't, I don't do Christmas. Uh, that's right. Don't, don't acknowledge it. You don't allow all. it to be done to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Because yep. uh, I'm an atheist and a scientist, right. I do uh, acknowledge the summer solstice and Sol Invictus, and you know I mm -hmm. tried to mm -hmm. create my own celebration many years ago, oh. an Exagoras yeah. Day on the 25th of December to celebrate the first recorded atheist in history, an Exagoras. Hasn't taken oh. off yet, but uh, I think you know when I'm give famous, it, give it time. that's that's right. Well. That's the one yeah. thing I will be not like. Some people they have a cause about you know uh, removing landmines from war torn areas. Right. Uh, some right. celebrities, it's about eh, that's uh, okay. That's okay. Curing malaria or, or yeah. ending yeah. the the uh, brutal occupation of Palestine. Uh, for me, it will right. be Anaxagoras <laughs> Day. That will be my cause celeb when I'm well, famous. Good luck. Uh, anyway. <laughs> 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 so uh on this last ray and cam show of the year uh i thought rather than continue with our bolivia series mostly because i'm on vacation up at uh, jan's house in bundaberg and my abilities right. to work up here are somewhat limited by the extreme heat um 
I would, uh, well, we, we could do a bit of a new show, end of the year new show. How does that yeah. sound to you? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll end the year with very positive vibes of about a bunch of feel good stories or not. No, that doesn't sound like it. <laughs> just thought I'd uh, no, just yeah. to close out a crazy year. I don't know. This has been the craziest year of my life. What about what about yours? Um, it's been a blur the last, actually the last two years. Um, being self-employed, not owning a belt and working in your pajamas. It just goes by fast. Uh, not good, not bad. Just goes by fast. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how people do it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well uh like there's some here's some of the stories uh that have piqued my interest over the last week mm -hmm. i mean there's so much going on in the world and so much of it is crazy we we can right. only touch on a few crazy things um here's a video george monbiot i uh, mm -hmm. i think he calls it monbio because he wants to be fancy but george is <laughs> a uh british journalist Superman. Superman, is he? Well, I, yeah. Did you read some of his exploits? The traveling, the number of times he's almost died, the things he's been able to uncover. Pretty, pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> well, no, but, uh, I, you know, I, I think I first uh, read one of his books 20-odd years ago. I remember I was uh -huh. on a plane flying to Seattle to go to a thing at Microsoft's headquarters, I can't remember exactly which book it was that I read, but anyway, I had a, I had a big in. Oh, the Age of Consent. There you go, two thousand and three. Right. That sounds familiar. Okay. Um, cool. I think I think that was it. Um, but yes, I, I had a big impression on me and in my uh, sort of political awakening. Um, right. Talking about the global justice movement. Um, so it'd be a couple of years cool. before I started podcasting. Um, right. Anyway, so let me play a clip from a little thing George did recently, a little, uh, little talk he put up on YouTube or somebody put up on YouTube, talking about how the oligarchs around the world have worked out the model for winning elections by running as their candidates, as he calls them, killer clowns. The oligarchs have discovered the formula for persuading the poor to vote for the interests of the very rich. And that formula includes massive lying and cheating on an unprecedented scale, mobilizing social media, media particularly, to generate mendacious, manipulative adverts and memes and conspiracy theories in order to swing people round or to turn them off from voting altogether, pushing forward killer clowns like Johnson, like Trump, like Modi, like Bolsonaro, who will do whatever the oligarchs want, but present a sort of almost amusing face to the public. And so we laugh along with them. And then they learn from each other. They teach each other. In fact, very often the same political operatives will hop from one campaign to another, constantly refining the model, refining the formula, so it's a mistake to fixate on one leader or one political party and say, oh, look how badly they failed. Sure, there are failures. 
So he's talking, uh, this comes out obviously in the wake of Jeremy Corbyn and the Labor Party's loss to Boris Johnson mm. in the, the UK election. And uh, he's talking about how these, uh, the, the, the parties on the right around the world have figured out how to manipulate the yeah. social media, the mainstream media to get the people to vote for these killer clans. What, what, what do you think of his argument, Ray? Well, you and I have actually been talking about this for a couple of years now. We, we've, uh, we've talked about various books and we've talked about how do the rich get to get poor people to vote against their own interests. I mean, you see it time and time again. Everybody's talking about Trump's tax cuts, that it's not helping the uh, the people that put him into office. But yeah, I mean, they've, they've worked it out. They have a system. And I think... Um, uh, social media, certainly social media without any kind of serious checks has allowed them to use their vast resources to just get in your head, get on your phone. You see it several times a day and they can either make you disgusted by the whole thing. They can get you fighting over single issues. And so you don't look at the, the bigger process, which is another one of his arguments. And so I just think that they, after many years of trying, they finally got it down pretty well and they've got all the issues confused and people are voting against their interests and yet at the same time either don't know it or they think in America we think if I work hard play rules one day I'll be rich and then I'll want the same kind of policies and laws that Trump wants because I'll be up there with him. I mean we genuinely are told that day in and day out we believe it to a certain degree and they're able to use naive thinking like that against us. For you, of course, it's true because as a podcaster, it's almost a sure. <laughs> I am a, I am a beltless thousand air in pajamas. I'm living a life. No, I Trump all the way. Oh my God, austerity, baby. No, no, it, it's it's completely insane. But um, you know, actually, when I did my taxes last year, my accountant told me, uh, yeah, they've changed the rules, and so you're not going to do as well as you did last year. And it's things like that. It's when they tweak the tax rules, certain things you can't count. That's when you realize the people who voted for Trump and, and, and conservatives and Republicans are screwing everybody up because they're able to get their policies through yeah look I, um, I I think I agree with George in one respect and that's we have mm -hmm. evidence uh, that the, the the Trump campaign certainly in 2016 and Boris's campaign recently contained large amounts of disinformation misinformation outright lying um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I know just before the UK election, I think it was uh, Google, it was either Google or Facebook, I can't remember which now, but announced that they'd pulled like lots and lots of advertising that the uh, Conservatives had been running in the UK lead up to the election, which they determined to be misleading, um, just outright <laughs> lying. And I think it was right. Google that intervened and just pulled all of these ads. Um so we know that the tactic is just to lie, blatantly yes. tell lies in, over and over. in a variety of formats by right. running fake websites through third parties quite often or just ads linking to f fake news sites or, you know, the traditional way of just using the mainstream media to tell your lies for you. You don't. You can just get right. uh, the, the media organisations run by... 
uh, you know, wealthy elite psychopaths to run stories for you on headlines about yeah. or headlines in the lead up to the UK election that if uh, Jeremy Corbyn got elected, the the lights and would go out forever and this kind of right. yellow right. journalism style stuff. The 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 point I would disagree. Uh, on George with though is I don't think this is uh, all coming from the right. Uh, I think the left, right. yes, or the so-called left, um, I'll <laughs> the get other into right, that, but yeah, <laughs> right, right is really what the old right, the left is. Yeah, right. it's like Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> and Bernie Sanders uh, uh, to an extent, uh, probably more left uh, than yeah, most. they're the exceptions political leaders uh, on the left that we've yeah. seen in recent times in major uh, geographies like that. But, um, you know, I think that uh, the the left side of politics has its fair share of psychopaths and lying and manipulation and rich oligarchs mm-hmm. trying to uh, manipulate their policies and what they deliver as much as the right does. I mean, every study that sure. I've seen in, in writing my book over the last couple of years seems to indicate that it's fairly balanced the 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 scandals uh, you know in terms of uh, corruption scandals that that go to trial and just mm-hmm. media analysis done like there was one one that came out in Australia recently the ABC in conjunction with I think RMIT the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology does a does a fact check thing um, mm-hmm. during the year on pronouncements made by politicians of various stripes in Australia. Their end of year uh, summary of their fact checking activities over the years says slightly under half, 48% of Labor Party claims, state and federal, federal. for those right. people not in Australia, the Labor Party in Australia is uh, our, our liberal, progressive, left major party, uh, same mm-hmm. as the Labour Party in the UK or the Democrats. And like those parties in the UK and the US, mostly centre-right these days, uh, you know, by any mm. sort of historical metric. Anyway, uh, 48% of Labour Party claims scrutinised by fact-checked had broadly positive verdicts while 38% mm-hmm. were broadly negative and 14% were neutral. So 48% um, passed their bullshit filter <laughs> and, and the rest <laughs> didn't or were borderline. So wow. 50%, let's say, of what the Labor Party says, the claims that they make are bullshit. When it comes to the coalition claims, the coalition in Australia is our current government, Scott Morrison, a.k.a. SCOMO, a.k.a. SCOMO Nero, because in the middle of the worst fires that we've seen in recorded <laughs> history, he decided to go on vacation to Hawaii and turn his phone off recently. Um, his party, the the Liberal Party, and they have a coalition with a minor party right. here. They, they couldn't win government themselves, so they have a coalition with the Nationals. Uh-huh who are uh, mm-hmm. mostly made up of farmers, uh, conservative, regional, rural, white uh, candidates. Uh, when it came to coalition claims, 40% of verdicts were broadly Ooh. positive, 47% broadly negative, and 13% neutral. So they lie a little bit more than half. Uh, right. Say 60% of everything they say is a lie, 
about 50% of everything the Labor Party says is a lie. So, wow. you yeah. know, it's it's they're all lying, at least half the time. Sure. Basically. Yeah. Which, which is what, you know, when we started the bullshit filter, that was our basic premise. Look, you're being lied yeah. to by all your politicians, at least some of the time. Our, our job That's is to right. try and figure out when when that is and what are the warning signs that you're being lied to. Right. And now we know it's closer to 50%, uh, you know, and more slightly more for the coalition that you are literally being lied to. And, and yeah, you, you've got to, you've got to be diligent. And um, that's just, unfortunately the nature of the world we live in now. Yeah. Well, I, th- I don't think it's just now. I think it's probably always right. been true. Uh, are they better at it? Varying degrees. Are they are, yeah, no, yeah, ever since there have been three people on this planet, one of them is lying. I totally get that. But are they better at it now? Is it a matter of technology? Is it a matter of resources? Is it a matter of lack of morals? Or is it all the above? Well, no, I don't think it's better. I think it's just different. I mean, uh, mm. before in the era before modern democracies, uh, so you go back a couple of hundred years ago, uh, in most parts right. of the world, you had, you had a royal family, you had the nobility, you had the the church. We know from the podcasts that we've done, those people just fucking lied endlessly, and there was fuck all that the people could do about it. Um, exactly. Every every now and again, one of the nobility would rise up and overthrow the previous psychopath, and you'd have mm-hmm. another psychopath on the throne, and <clears throat> and the people Yay. couldn't do much about it. With the rise of with the collapse of Feudalism and the and the the rise of sort of your your new money uh, rulers, which you know we mm-hmm. can thank the Med- we can thank the Medici for that in part, um, and these Italian city states during the Renaissance, where they were like, you know what, uh, we're rich enough, we can buy our own armies. So what do we need you for? Um, right, and how that evolved then into the United States and the original tax dodgers who decided, you know what, uh, what do we need you for, Great Britain? If we, right. if we, if we need an army to, to defend ourselves from the French, yeah, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll buy our own army. And then the Ooh. French went, hey, we're on your side to fight the British. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, shit, yeah, who are we fighting? Who are our friends? Who are we fighting? Um, Who's we'll our just, friends this week? You know, yeah. if we didn't pay you taxes, we could probably afford our own army. So yeah. fuck you and your taxes, right? <laughs> um, so hey, here's well, a factoid let, let, for you. Yeah. Here's a factoid yes, for you. Go ahead. Uh, yes. This is what I was doing at five o'clock in the morning. I know what you were doing, but um, <laughs> the 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 people that died under Stalin's thirty years as the ruler of the Soviet Union, various right. estimates. But let's say we're going sort of on a three to four million number. That's leaving aside the famines, but the people that right. died in prisons and you know gulags and executions right. and forced resettlement under the Kulikazization and all this kind of stuff. About three to four million um, population of the Soviet Union in uh, nineteen thirty was about one hundred and sixty mm-hmm. million. So three, three and a half to four million is about three percent of the population. Gotcha. Um, uh, two to two to three percent. Uh, the amount of people in the United States who died uh, mm-hmm. as a result of the American Civil War estimated somewhere between eight hundred thousand and a million. 
including mm-hmm. soldiers, slaves, and civilians. Population of the right. U.S. at the time was a roughly, I think, 33, 34 million. Um, mm. So that's about 3 to 4% of the population. Now, Lincoln right. was only in power for four years before he was assassinated for being a tyrant. Um, mm-hmm. He killed he <laughs> a greater number as a percentage per capita right. of the population of the... <laughs> United States in four four years than Stalin did as a percentage of the population of the Soviet Union in thirty years. So when you look at it like that, I think uh, Stalin mm. Stalin wins. Comes anyway. Comes out ahead. Don't know how I got onto that. Uh, Lincoln killed more people as a percentage of the population in four years than Stalin did as a percentage of the population over thirty. But mm. hey, what do I know? <laughs> Um, one's a hero, the other one's a tyrant. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One. <laughs> now, hey, I'll admit, Lincoln had a cool fucking beard, and so that goes a long yeah. way. Cool, cool facial hair. It does. You can get, you can yeah. get away with a lot with cool facial hair and a top hat. I've always said that. If I ever, if they ever come for me in the middle of the night, I've got my fake. Oh yeah, right. One one stripe beard. Uh, and top hat ready to put on. They'll go that guy. Uh, no, that he guy can't be the one we're looking for. Can't exactly. Be him. <laughs> Look at that. Take his wife. Right. He's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't be him. Can't be him. Uh, <clears throat> and Stalin had a Groucho Marx mustache. So uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's toss up. Uh, it it yeah. really is. Really is. <laughs> um. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Oh yeah, so you often hear, you often hear that the media is biased, a liberal bias. You hear, and we've talked about this before. Right. I call bullshit it, uh, bullshit on it all the time. And oh yeah, um, I was digging up, trying to find the latest surveys, stat, studies, stats on this last night. Now, one thing I did see is interesting: um, a long-term study of reporters in the U.S. and the reporters political attitudes suggests that it's called the American journalist in the digital age suggests that there mm-hmm. has been a, a, a drift over the last say 40, 50 years with journalists in the United States to become more and more Democrat. Uh, according to this okay. study in 1971, 25, 26% of all journalists were Republican. Democrats were about 36%. The rest were mm-hmm. independents. Um, by 2014, the share of Republican journalists had shrunk to 7.1%. And, wow. And the rest were mostly Democrats. Uh, no, 50% were independent. So Democrats were mm-hmm. 43% or something. Gotcha. And the rest were independent. Right. Um. So that's one indicator you can look at. But the personal politics of the journalist doesn't necessarily equate to the kind of coverage of the stories that they write for their employer. Yeah. Doesn't the uh, politics of the editor or editorial staff matter more than an individual Mm. reporter? Because if they're going to keep their job, don't they have to, like the rest of us, appease the people that sign their paychecks or or keep them employed? It doesn't matter if you have a... Yeah, okay. 
the the editors or or, or the publisher. Um, right there but, we go. Yeah, it's the politics of the publication, the publisher. That's the important thing to look at. Now that there, there's a study that gets done, and I, and I and it looks fairly legit to me. Um, although when I reviewed some of the articles, I couldn't quite work out their scoring. But anyway, if you want to check this out. Look up the media bias chart or, or go to our website, Bullshit Filter, and um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, the media bias chart's been running for a few years where mm-hmm. they now, uh, based in the US, it's mostly US-centric, uh, although they do look at some major foreign uh, media sources like the BBC uh, and The Guardian and things like that. But they, they basically analyse... Mm-hmm. print or online media and tv and they look at a range of their stories and then they grade them across a, a rubric for content and bias they have mm. 20 analysts uh each analyst in the last uh, round that they did analyzed about 370 articles and about 17 tv shows from over 100 news sources and charted them now you can mm-hmm. see this at ad fontes f-o-n-t-e-s a-d-f-o-n-t-e-s media.com look at the latest right. version if you want to do it in real time media bias chart uh and as you can see there like from the sources that they're doing that they're looking at the hundred sources they're fairly evenly balanced um in terms of a left right split over far on the right, you've got Infowars. Um, far on the left, you've got Wonket and the Palmer Report. And mm-hmm. then in the middle, you've got uh, Associated Press and Reuters, ABC, Bloomberg um, right. in the US, Al Jazeera, surprisingly, maybe, straight in the middle, um, BBC, Politico, mm-hmm. Washington Post a little bit to the left. Now, again, I, I, I can't attest to the accuracy of this. They do now sure. provide transparency where you can drill down into actual the actual articles from all of these publications that they have reviewed and look at their scoring uh, and, and the background, you know, the, the basis of the rubric for their scoring, that kind of stuff. I looked at a half dozen articles last night and some of the ones that they said showed a, a left or a right bias, I would look at them and I'd go, mm-hmm. I'd read through them and go, well, you know, if I had to analyze this, I, I don't know that I would say it had a bias. Um, but, you know, it was a very cursory look at it. But have a look at that and see what right. you think. But anyway, according to these guys anyway, it's um, fairly evenly balanced left and, and right looking at these sources. But here's the thing. This gets back mm-hmm. to something I was talking about on this show uh, in your absence with Alan McLeod um, mm-hmm. recently. I don't think, I think the whole left versus right rubric for media in the West is a bit of a, it's a bit of a MacGuffin. Um, right. Speaking of MacGuffins, fucking Mr. Robot finale, series finale. What, what a, what a clusterfuck debacle that was. But anyway, don't oh. get started. Um, the the Mac- it's so a it's because dis- it's a distraction. Well, it, it, yes, but it's the wrong thing right? because we, it, it's this is it's more about the Overton window. Have you and okay. I talked about the Overton window recently? I remember. Not recently, but we've talked about it in the past. It sounds familiar. 
Alan McLeod and I talked about it. So the Overton window is this idea that there is a certain uh, there are certain limits, certain parameters uh, around what is considered acceptable conversation in the media. You, right. you have you have uh, like a bumper on the. It's a bit like going bowling, right? You got a you got a gutter on the left. Yeah. You got a gutter on yep. the right. These are the limits within which you can bowl. Anything outside of that, nah, can't talk about it. <laughs> so, right. for example, I like that. And so, when they say left versus right in discussion in the media and in, in in our countries, it's particularly on the left side of things, uh, and even on the right, it, there's a very narrow window of acceptable discourse, and anything outside of that is not likely to get much play. So. Here's an example. Go up to Google News, search for the word socialism, and right. scroll through a hundred stories that come up, and try and find one in a you know significant sized news source that has anything constructive or positive to say about socialism. Ah, uh, not in this country. I, well, yeah, look, yeah. They, they do exist. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I went looking last night just to test this. And you can see certain things in certain papers uh, that will throw a bone out. And it's at least now, I think, much more uh, of a um, legitimate word and conversation that's starting to be had, mostly thanks to guys like, Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to a lesser extent right. and AOC, etc. But um, it's still very, very thin. You don't, you don't see a lot of earnest, uh, open, neutral discussion in mainstream media in the US about Marxism, socialism, the different kinds of it, the different implementations of it. Uh, what it would look like if you were going to deploy it in the U.S. How would you go about doing that? What would be the steps? What would be the paths? Um, mm -hmm. You know, the the uh, re-education of the American population about why what happened in in the Soviet Union under under Lenin and Stalin, or what happened in uh, China under Mao, or what happened in Cuba under Castro, uh, are not necessarily examples of what socialism is supposed to be or has to be uh, and, you know, and help educating people about the differences between, well, in one case, if we, if we take the Soviet Union, like a highly militarized form of social, socialism under the Bolsheviks versus more of a peaceful mm -hmm. form under the Mensheviks and Julius Martov and guys like that, which were defeated. Uh, and the, you know, the sort of the oligarchical, uh, system run by a Stalin or by a Mao uh, isn't necessarily what socialism should be or must be or right. has to be. There's certainly nothing in Marxist uh, or theory that that says you have to have some sort of an oligarchical power system for socialism. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, the, what, what happened to the economies of those countries and what happened to the economy of Cuba and Vietnam, etc., how that ties into the wars that they got involved in with the the West and uh, and and economic sanctions that were applied right. to North Korea and Cuba and etc. So <clears throat> you try and find mainstream media stories that bring a, a level of uh, depth, a level of serious uh, uh, discussion 
eh, you get, it's hard. You're gonna you're gonna struggle right. um, to find yeah. that. Um, so, like, here you go. Wall Street Journal four days ago. Pardon me. Did you say good socialism? Weighing bad <laughs> capitalism and good socialism. New York Times. David Brooks. I was once a socialist. Then I saw how it worked. Um, uh, you know, thestranger.com. The writer's correct. Nazism was socialism. Um, yeah, uh, you know, this is yeah. uh, glossing over details. Yeah. Oklahoman.com. Socialism's cyclical appeal. Um, Washington Examiner. No, Jesus was not a socialist. Uh, you know, uh, one one good thing I did find through this essay last night was a story on BuzzFeed about uh, young TikTok users in the US who were using TikTok to break down socialism for the next generation of voters. Ah, um, right. So I've, been, I've been trying to find interesting and intelligent applications of TikTok. Um Anyway, so there you go. So, um, see, I think it's not a left versus right thing. It's more about an Overton window. You know, you can be you yeah. can be classified as a left publication in the US or TV station, but still be far to the right of where you know uh, uh, someone who's a genuine progressive on the left would be mm-hmm. in a lot of their views on things. Uh, but you yeah. still get classified as left, even though really you're you're probably on the right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the Overton oh, window, yeah. if you can if you can contain the limits of conversation, uh, something that's on the it's right can end up on the left. Yeah. yeah. If if you have to fit yeah. Infowars and MS MSNBC in on a chart of right. left versus right, you've only got so much charting space. Uh, MSNBC is going to look like it's on the left when probably um, I, yeah. I would be very surprised if Morning Joe and Rachel Maddow are actually that far to the left. But there you go. That's my thoughts. Ray, what are your thoughts? Yeah. No, I, I think you bring, bring up a good point about even discussing um, politics, the news, technology, um, corporate control of, of our domination of our politics. If you, if you go far enough into the weeds, even that is a distraction. Now, I have aunts in South Carolina who will literally say when it comes to vote, what's red, this person's issue want? Reds, yes. They're the <laughs> One of those bit me on the hand the other day. I thought I was going to fucking die. That's not good. No. That's not good. Uh, they literally say, what's this person's uh, issue of uh, 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 opinion on abortion? I don't care about taxes. I don't care about foreign wars. I don't care about treating everybody in this country equally. Fuck that. Is, you tell me what their position on abortion is, and, and, and I'll know how to vote. But the point is, you get people who are obsessed with single issues, but then you get people who are obsessed with the entire process, and even that can become a distraction. And that's all the elites want. They just want you befuddled. They want you either dis- disenchanted so you don't vote at all, or they want you distracted. The point is uh, that George was making earlier is that there's a lot of different ways to distract people so that people who are in power can stay in control. And also, like you've said before, if you narrow, if you limit the way they can vote so they can't really vote for a true radical, someone who will get in there and really shake things up, they still win at the end of the day because their contributions are getting people elected. They keep their influence. Those people stay in power. And the status quo just keeps on keeping on. It doesn't matter that it's a new year. It's a new decade. 
update, it's new, whatever. Uh, it's all the status quo. And we sit here and we're fascinated by why aren't people waking up? Well, that's because everybody's being distracted. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I getting back to my early point about psychopaths, yeah. you know, psychopaths, from what I've come to understand, is you, you can find them in either side of the political spectrum. You can find them in the Catholic Church. Oh, you yes. can find them uh, anywhere you look. Uh, they they um, will land anywhere. They tend not to really have any ideology outside of me. That's their ideology, their own right. wealth and power. But they will fit in and mould themselves into any ideology. So you can find them in fascism. It's like you a can suit. find them in Marxism. Yeah. You can find them, yeah, you can find them anywhere. Yeah. They will rise to the top if they see an opportunity for wealth and power. And, uh, you know, the, the oligarchs, the wealthy elite, it just makes sense. This is a large part of what my book's about. It's just. It, have you read my book yet? By the way, did I sent you a copy? Did you read it? I have not. I apologize. Fuck. You know, seriously, <laughs> dude. Um, what? I've been doing the ho 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 thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, you know, if you if you're a member of the elite, if you're mm -hmm. rich, right, you you have a vested interest in trying to manipulate society in any way you can using your wealth and your power to maintain right. the status quo because change is bad if you're already on top of the dung heap yeah uh, any change to the dung heap could destabilize <laughs> the dung heap you, you you don't really want right. change become crashing down exactly yeah you want to yeah. keep things pretty much as the way they are and that, that that's the same if you're a progressive or you're a fascist you want a thing. You want things to pretty much stay the way they are because you're on top of things the way they are, and changes to the dung heap could mean you're not on yeah. top anymore. And why would you want that? That doesn't make any sense. The only time you right. want change is if you're pretty confident that that change will make you more powerful or your right. friends more powerful. Uh, outside mm -hmm. of that, uh, change is not the so enemy. Much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no. So you, your yeah. vested interest, uh, but of course you can't get elected. <clears throat> by saying, if you elect me as the Democratic <laughs> president, I'm not going to change anything because, quite frankly, I'm doing okay. I'm and doing my friends good. are doing okay. Yeah, we're doing all right. I'd like so, to keep writing uh, this out for another couple yeah. of years. So please elect me. Thank you for your yeah. time. You, you, can't, you can't get elected if you say that. So you have to say, oh, yeah, right. you elect me. Oh, Fuck, hope and change all the way. Hope and changey. <laughs> <clears throat> it's gonna be great. Look at me, I'm black oh. and beautiful. It's gonna be great. Hope and change. Right. Your wife <laughs> will hope that she'll right. get a man like me, and you will hope that you can change to be as good looking as me. Right. Um, but of course, when they get elected, then they've got to come up with excuses. Oh well, look, oh, I would have, I would yeah. have hoped and changed things. Trust me, I, I yeah. hoping and changing I was all, is all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. But oh, those Republicans—they won't let me. I, uh, I couldn't get anything through. Uh, I couldn't get right. anything through Congress. I tried. You know? go, but right. Hold on, for the first four, first four years, yeah. you controlled Congress, both houses. You could have done anything you wanted. Oh well, yeah. Well, I could I mean, have. You say that. Yeah. But, uh, 
I think it was the Details. first two years, actually, with Obama. Yeah. The first two years, he controlled both houses. Well, yeah, but, you know, I wanted to do it slowly. You know, I wanted to... Right. I wanted, to, I wanted to take my time, do it right. Yeah, but right. everyone knows that's why that you elected st- me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, slow. Do it right. Slow, <laughs> let, slow let's not rush things. That was my platform. Uh, you know, it, 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 you got, but everyone knew, hold on, uh, historically speaking, if a party controls both the executive and both houses, typically yeah. in the midterms, they're going to lose at least one, if not both of those. Right. Um, yes. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, but we thought it would be different this time. We thought we we just right. had all the time in the world. That's why we did nothing. Turns out we didn't. Yeah. So sorry. Whoops. But vote us My, back our, in. Yeah. How bad? Yeah. Back. Next time we'll get it right. <laughs> oh, we're gonna gear up. <clears throat> oh, oh, you won't believe yeah. the hopey changey that we give you next time. You. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about killing people with drones. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse sure. me. Um, you know, I ran this, I, I, I put this story out on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. Um, don't know if you mm-hmm. saw this about the American drone now that kills people with rotating blades. Do you see that one? No, I missed that. Oh, Jesus. The, uh, the AGM 114 R9X Hellfire missile. Right. Um, basically, it. it it, it approaches your it's t- like for targeting vehicles basically as it as it approaches okay. your vehicle um the nose cone opens up a series of like propeller blades come out and start rotating really really fast and it's like driving a massive fan into your car so it doesn't explode it just chops right. everybody in the vehicle to bits uh how and, is does it yeah. really matter how everybody dies Sorry, well, go ahead. The, the theory is less collateral damage. When you blow something up, shrapnel, uh, uh, collateral damage, thank, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you? Yeah, now we're just no. like killing people with uh, rotating fans of death from the sky. Uh, I'm sure they're happier about that. I know that <laughs> but, the uh, people in Syria but, that I've spoken to <laughs> whose family members have died by rotating fans right. of death have very appreciative of the fact that it's not as me- well it's still messy but less collateral damage but we know from some of the stories we've read like the 25 uh, year old woman who had a child and she was having complications and her in-laws rushed her and on the way back the car is incinerated by a hellfire missile i mean it doesn't matter as long as you're targeting the wrong people how they die doesn't matter it's it's not going to be a more humane death. You're still killing innocent people that you're not admitting to. So I find that fascinating, but um, it's still not a step in the right direction. So you're referring to the story that came out a few weeks ago out of eastern Afghanistan. Yeah. A 25-year-old Afghan woman <sighs> named Malana, not Melania, yeah. um, <laughs> was uh, she'd recently given birth to her second child, she developed mm-hmm. postpartum complications when she was at home and her father-in-law, mother-in-law and sister-in-law rushed her in a car to a clinic. On their way back right. home, uh, an American Hellfire missile destroyed the car, uh, killing all four family members. And now her um, husband has to look after her other children, um, including the baby that was born that was uh, still at the hospital, right. I think. 
Right. Um, and the US went, oh, whoops, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. How bad, quite frankly. Right. Now, as um, The Intercept points out, in there have been six Democratic presidential debates this year, and the number of times the worldwide drone war has come up in those debates it was zero. Why do you yeah. think that would be, Ray? Well, um, first of all, like we're talking a couple of minutes ago about having a lane and then having two gutters on the side, I just think that's something that's out of bounds in that Americans don't want to talk about that. We that, that doesn't help improve my life. It's about taxes. It's about schools. It's about gun shootings and culture, quite frankly. Even though we're the ones doing it, that's happening to someone else. And I know that it sounds horrible, but I think there's an element of truth of that. And the other thing is, because this has been going on for, what, 19 years or something like that after after 9-11, it's almost like mass shootings in America. After a while, you see a couple of reports about drones taking people out. And one, the government's going to lie to you and say, oh, don't, don't worry about it. Those were definitely terrorists, or they were supporting terrorists, or they were somehow linked. So we got the right people. Don't worry about that. But even when it does come out, I mean, it's, it's like mass shootings. You're just desensitized to it after 19 years. And you got to, you have to factor in, we don't even know the vast majority of what's going on with drone, drone strikes because they don't even release the information what little they did as much as they used to under Obama. They We just don't have a lot of information and they never admit to, hardly ever admit to anything being wrong. So how can the American people get worked up? And if the American people get don't get worked up, there's no way in hell these presidential candidates are going to bring it up on their own. That would be suicide. Yeah, it's a bit like they, you know, they often say that gun control is the third rail of American politics. I think actually military, the size of your mm -hmm. military spending and budget is the these days. And um, it's just taken as being granted that America's going yes. to continue to continue to grow and grow and grow your military budget, even though it's bigger than the rest of the world's put together. Um, but yeah, the drone thing, so you it started with George W. Bush after 9-11 right. and then was escalated by uh, Obama when he came in. Obama authorized as many CIA drone attacks during the first nine and a half months he was in office as Bush did in his final three years. Jesus. Obama loved himself a drone strike. Now, yeah, look, I, I understand the logic that drone strikes, in theory, are mm -hmm. more targeted, more humane, if, if, if you want to use that word, form of, of warfare than boots on the ground. Um, yeah. But that kind of misses the point. You're basically uh, sending death robots into the air yeah. to cover people and wipe them out. And, and as far as we know, because it is still kept uh, in large part in secret, but we know that the U.S. military has conducted drone strikes in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Yemen, Somalia, Syria, and Libya. And on top of that, they're the ones we know about. The CIA has a <laughs> secret program that seems yeah. to be using them in Pakistan, Somalia, Yemen, Afghanistan, and in other countries. 
And, uh, okay, so the numbers here may not sound huge. You know, I think from the time Obama took office to the end of 2015, official mm-hmm. numbers out of the U.S. military, uh, they killed 2,436 people with drone strikes in Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, and Libya. Um, They claimed that there was only like a couple of hundred of those that were civilians. But the Bureau of Investigative Journalism suggests that the number of civilians killed is probably six times higher than what the Obama administration admitted to. So, and if you think about it in terms of these people, as we've talked about before, these people that... um, Maybe, maybe civilians, maybe warriors, maybe soldiers. We we call them terrorists, but they think of themselves as uh, freedom fighters or people fighting a civil mm-hmm. war. And right. the U.S. is uh, you know you're not even going and st- seeing the whites of their eyes, mano a mano. When you kill them, you're just sending uh, Terminator death machines to yeah. kill them. Uh, while you sit safely in a cafe somewhere and manipulate it with your iPhone, <clears throat> it's your um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Uh, extremely. It's got to be extremely psychologically and emotionally terrifying and damaging to the people in the countries where this is happening. Yes, I I just can't imagine being someplace where you hear a sound, a swoosh, or whatever sounds uh, these things make as they're going by, and just knowing is this could be your moment to die. I think there was one guy who was held by the Taliban for ten months or whatever. I'm trying to remember the exact number, and I can't remember his name. I apologize. Dave, Maybe you have it there, but David. What's Roden. his name? David Rose. Yeah, and he was saying. Thank you. And he was saying, like, yet we would hear these sounds, these planes going by, and we just, you know, is this our moment to die because they're going to bomb these people? We're being held by them. I mean, it's just got to be, I mean, I don't know, just to hear the sound and just to, on a regular basis and to go, this could be my moment to die, even though I might not have done anything wrong except for I'm in the wrong country, I'm in the wrong place, and I'm poor and I can't do anything to defend myself. I mean, this has got, this has got to severely psychologically affect them as they're developing and growing up into adults. The kids, I mean. Yeah, uh, a a man in Pakistan whose cousin was killed by a drone said, when children hear the drones, they get really scared and they can hear them all the time. So they're always fearful that the drone is going to attack them. Because of the noise, we're psychologically disturbed. Women, men and children, 24 hours a person is in stress and there is pain in his head. Um, God. You're just hearing this drone, so-called, because they drone. They make a droning sound. Um, right. And uh, they, they could attack anywhere at any time and you won't see it coming. The missiles travel faster than the speed of sound when they're shot at you, so you never hear the missile that kills you. You just wake up and you're right. dead when you have a hundred virgins around you, if you're lucky. I have have to ask real quick. 
I I don't I don't currently have memorized a list of countries that we are technically at war with. So I'm a little confused about us being able to fly military hardware in the airspace of at least eight different countries that you just rattled off a couple minutes ago, because I know if someone flew something over American airspace, we'd be shooting that shit down pretty quick. So what is... I, I guess some law passed after 2001 in the United States gives us the right to fly drones over other countries with or without their permission. I mean, it just seems so odd to me. And I'm trying to put that very nicely. This is yeah. fucked up. This is fucked yeah, up. that's right. I mean, there is no justification under international law that I'm aware of that enables the U.S. just to be able to execute people at will anywhere in the world. The same way, you know, they're just trying to pull a journalist, uh, Julian Assange, out of the U.K. Right. Just because they don't like that he revealed some of their secrets. Uh, they also claim the right, and this was true under the Obama administration as much as under Bush and Trump, to just to be able mm -hmm. to assassinate people anywhere in the world without a trial. Um, they can cross any border and just right. kill civilians or people that they claim are terrorists. Right. Well, what do, And what does that even mean, a terrorist? Well, somebody who's fighting against uh, occupation of their country by another nation. I mean, I don't know. What's your definition? Yeah. Obama Jeez. didn't create a legal framework that placed any restrictions on the executive branch's use of drones. So according to Obama, it's... the president could even kill American citizens by drone with no judicial review. And he, he in fact, did that. I think he killed two American citizens. Um, who were in the Middle East, claimed that they were terrorists, but they had no judicial review, um, right. no right to an attorney, no right to a defense, just uh, blown to pieces by a bomb that came out of the sky. Um, so that's the power that Obama thought was appropriate for the president, and he then passed on to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump right. in turn will pass it on to... I don't know, Mr. T or whoever the next president of the United States <laughs> is after Hulk Hogan. Oprah. I don't know who's who's coming yeah, next. Oh, there we yeah, go. You, yeah. you wish. But 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 the other part of that is, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, is that is for, we know that Trump has lowered the necessary threshold of evidence to justify a, a drone strike. So again, he gets in office, he, he looks at these generals in the Oval Office who are staring at him and saying, sir, we're, we can't work like this, our hands are being tied, you've gotta let us take the fight to the whatever bullshit sentence you wanna say. You know Trump is gonna say, well, he's in uniform, he's a general, I love generals, everybody knows I love generals, and so he gives them whatever permission they want, and these people are human, they make mistakes, and they have a budget to worry about because now the Air Force has received 63% more, 63% uh, increase in their hair Hellfire missiles that they use as their main weapon. So again, I, the whole thing is just cocked up and there's no one who can call foul, stop this, let's review it. What's an acceptable number of civilian deads? They, they just don't do that and it goes on and on and on. And, you know, I want to point out for people who might mm -hmm. be sitting there thinking, well, it's okay, we're killing terrorists. Um, says who right. says they're terrorists? Uh, yeah, you just because your government declares somebody a terrorist, does that mean they are 
a terrorist and deserve execution. Um, you know, there is, generally speaking, um, considered in the, the, the code of human rights around the world, a right to a fair trial and a right yep. to a presumption of innocence. And America prides itself, traditionally has prided itself on rule of law and the right to a fair trial. But this has been thrown out now, and the suggestion is if the US or the UK or Australia, any government just declares someone is a terrorist, then they can be then executed at will, and right. there's nothing anyone can say or do about it. We just have to accept that as fact. Again, I mean, if, if China was doing this, if China was oh. just sending yeah. people around the world just to execute American citizens... And say, well, they're a terrorist. Um, China and Iran, if they arrest somebody who's in their country and they claim yes. that that person was a spy, massive uproar in the Western media. But when the yeah. when Western governments unilaterally assassinate people and mm -hmm. say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, they're a terrorist, Western media is more or less completely silent on the issue. No one goes, right. oh, fucking hold on a second. What's going on here? Everyone's like, oh, okay, fair enough. Oh, Thanks. Keep up the good terrorist. work. Yeah. We, 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 uh, <laughs> what do you say over there? Something about your service. We uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your, thank you for your some service. Fucking, and as, some fucking bullshit. And as we know, see, the other part of that is, and as we know, because of the drone papers that were put out in 2015 by The Intercept, it is standard policy for the United States to say that anyone who was killed in a drone strike, we automatically classify them as an, an enemy uh, killed in action. So it's almost like, okay, we kill this person. Now, if somebody wants to try to prove that they weren't a terrorist— you can, we're not going to help you. But the point is, they're dead. Now, if you want to actually examine to see what their connection was to any terrorist organization, you go right ahead. I mean, it's after the fact, it does no good. And we're just creating more and more generations of people that are going to hate us and want to attack us. According to the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, since Trump took office, there have been Two and a half thousand deaths by U.S. drone strikes in Afghanistan alone. Four Jeez. and a half thousand drone strikes since January 2017. Um, mm. And on top of that, another 900 people have been killed by 270 drone strikes in Yemen, Somalia and Pakistan. This, on average, this means that the U.S. has carried out, on average, more than four drone strikes per day since Trump took office. Good Basically, God. just uh, killing people uh, arbitrarily across a wide variety of countries with no judicial oversight and no yeah. feeling of the need to justify it or explain it. Uh, it's just it just is. This is just now. Yeah. And so when when people complain, um, like David Markham, when I say that America is the world's greatest terrorist organization, um, the CIA and the U.S. military are the largest. People will go, "That's this is the facts behind it." Na name me another yeah. terrorist organization that has uh, assassinated uh, three thousand people over the last couple of years with no trial. Foreigners, foreign nationals, with no trial. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know maybe, if we would allow it. Maybe yeah. Russia yeah. has. Maybe China has. I, I, I'm not aware of any evidence to that. But that's, 
you know, from the from the view of the rest of the world, <clears throat> America, this is what I'm saying. You're the world's largest terrorist organization and have been for many, many decades. We can go back to your support of Operation Condor, etc. Directly or indirectly, America has been the world's largest terrorist organization since the end of World War Two. Now, as the American, I feel I should say this, and I'm not saying this to stop the, the conversation. We can go on or we can talk about something else. But after 9-11, after we would, the American people would have gone along with practically, and we did, go along with practically anything the government wanted to do to another country to try to make us feel better. I get that. That's human nature. We were afraid. We were voting with, our, with fear as opposed to anything else. I, I totally get that. And I was scared as well. Absolutely, I was scared. That was not 19 years ago. It's gotten to the point where it's like the Vietnam War. No one has the guts to stand up, to be the first one to really stand up and go, you know what? It's been 19 years. Uh, are we really under constant threat from being bombed by terrorists? Someone needs to review everything that we do. Do we need to spend all this mo all this money? Do we need to be doing drone strikes on this kind of level? You know, should there be another policy or should this entire thing be examined? No one has the guts because they don't want to lose a election or lose an office or whatever to say, you know what, enough is enough. Let's go back and just re re-examine everything we've done since 20, since 2001 and see if we can go back to normal. But this is our new normal, partly because no one has the guts to stand up and go, I think we've taken this idea way too far. Yeah. And I think also partly because the U.S. And money's being made. Sorry, well, yeah, and your political leaders know that the U.S. runs on military Keynesianism, which brings us yeah. to the next story. Um, the House just recently passed the uh, defense bill that Trump needed the, to uh, fund his space force, ND, the NDAA. <laughs> um, and and oh. as I saw somebody tweet, I can't remember who this was, but like, Democrats have spent the last few years just talking about how Trump was insane and a madman who couldn't be trusted, but then they just gave him a $738 billion military uh, spending bill. So, yeah. Oh, look, the, cra the crazy orange guy. Yeah, let's just give him all the money for all right. the weapons that he needs. That's Jesus. not a problem. The guy can't that can't new... be trusted, Yeah. the guy that's insane, exactly. the guy who's, you know, a maniac... Let's just give him $738 billion to spend on bombs. So thank, thanks very much on uh, behalf of the rest of the world yet again. Now, the interesting thing about this is uh, that, you know, the Democratic support for it was nearly complete. Um, some, uh, some did vote against it. I've got the numbers here. Um, let me see. I've got... Uh, Democratic, all, all up, it was uh, 377 yays, 48 nays, and five no-shows. Of the oh, Democrats... Jesus. Uh, and most of those obviously were Democrats because they control the House. Yeah. yeah. So of the Democrats in the House, 188 voted yay, uh, 41 voted nay. So what's that? Two hundred and twenty-nine. Uh, let's say we call that two hundred and thirty, forty-one. So like it was a fifteen percent of Democrats voted no. Eighty-five percent voted yes for it. 
So, who uh, voted against this? Who are the Democrats who voted against this? There's some names in there that you'd probably expect. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, Acacia Cortez, Omar, mm-hmm. Gabbard, Amash, uh, Tlaib. But, uh, right. yeah, I mean, obviously, vast majority of the Democrats who day-to-day are talking about what a crazy mofo Trump is and he couldn't be, shouldn't be trusted to uh, serve you a hot dog. Uh, was more than happy to massively increase the Pentagon's budget yet again, and this is now I think over the course of the uh, the sorry the Trump's first term, Congress has right. boosted the Pentagon's budget by a hundred and thirty-one billion, which is about I think Jesus. it was about six hundred. What is it? Okay, hold on. It's seven hundred thirty-eight billion now. It's up one hundred thirty. So it was six hundred billion before Trump's first term. So they've increased it by ten percent a year, basically. Uh, well, maybe wow. no. What's, what's it? Three years now. Trump's been in almost yeah. give or take. So twenty uh, percent over three years. Seven eight percent a year. Six six seven percent a year. How do you justify um, that kind of increase? I mean, are we closer to a war? Are we? Are there new threats on the horizon that weren't there three years ago? Because you can't just say, oh, the cost of doing business in the military goes up that much. I mean, this is just insane numbers we're talking about. And this is just a, a budget. This is not like it's for the next 20 years or anything like that. This is just a budget. I mean, this this is beyond comprehension. And so the people who are supposedly wanting to do the Democrats who want to do more what social programs or take care of the people or give us Medicare, they're going along with things like this. How are they going to face the voters? But as you said previously, it's really the two parties. they both work for the corporations and fuck the American people. Well, yeah, to a large extent. And, and as we've explained on our podcasts over the years, large chunks of the U S economy are funded by U.S. military spending, uh, that $738 billion. Hello, Fox. Do you want to be on the podcast with Ray? You did tell me this morning you wanted to podcast with us today. Do you have something you want to come and tell all the listeners at home? Jesus Christ! Okay, very good. That's it? That's what I was going to say. No, that's it? All right. That's what that's what Fox thinks of as an American citizen. Uh, that's what he thinks of the uh, U.S. military budget. Okay. I don't have American you are an American citizen, my little friend. No, yeah. No. Yeah. No. I don't. Okay. You don't want to. You don't want to admit it. So are you. Okay. Well, I understand why you want to deny it on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, the U.S. military budget uh, funds a lot of the U.S. economy because it, it, it you know gets handed out to uh, right. various contractors. The U.S. spends more on its military budget than China, Saudi Arabia, India, France, Russia, the United Kingdom, and Germany combined. And, uh, and of course, all of those countries, uh, well, maybe not China so much. I'm uh, not sure where that's at in terms of the trade war, but... The rest of those countries, uh, okay, maybe not Russia, but the rest of those countries, <laughs> except China and Russia, 
by right. a large percentage of the a lot of their military spending goes to the US as well on top of it. Um, right. And as we've explained before, you know this is the greatest uh, shell game in history because the American taxpayers give their money to the US Treasury. The U.S. Treasury then takes yeah. that money, calls it military budget, fifteen percent of that, right. gives, calls it military budget, and then gives it to American businesses, who then go thank you very much and pay themselves huge bonuses. Uh, right. And 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 then take a, a chunk of that money and put it into the election campaigns of the congressmen and women who uh, are making sure that they vote for this in the first place. Right. Um, it's like a circle so jerk. It is a big circle jerk. Yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the greatest circle jerk in history. Uh, so there you go. So next time you hear one of these Democrats saying Trump can't be trusted and he's a madman, you have to ask them then, yeah. well, did you approve the defense bill? Defense? Yeah. Well, of course bill? I did. I'm a patriotic American. Mm. Something like that. I just wanted to give some specifics. You know, I rarely crunch numbers, but just let me give a couple of specifics. And this was in the bill that was finally passed and signed by Trump. I just want to give you a couple of facts, just so you know what we're dealing with. One billion of those dollars are going to go for 48 attack helicopters, not 480, 48 attack helicopters. Two billion is going to go for 20, uh, 24 Boeing Super Hornet fighters. 1.1 billion is going to go for eight Boeing five uh, F-15 jets. In case you're wondering, that's 137 million five hundred thousand dollars each for those. Uh, 2.2 billion is going for 165 Abrams tanks. That's 13.3 million dollars each and it's it's these wonderful weapons like this that uh are keeping us safe from germany and all those other countries you mentioned abrams tanks named after jj abraham abrams because they're what he needs to defend himself from star wars fans for making rise of skywalker and uh completely coming up with a nonsensical storyline I haven't even seen right. the film. I know you went. Um, yes. You, you, you enjoyed it? Well, I, I literally, you know, because you have to drop a pretty penny to take a family of four to Star Wars and you get popcorn and drinks. So I try not to walk out miserable. But I've read enough Star Wars books to know that there's two huge reasons why the storyline that they used could not possibly happen. And if you ignore that, um, just go along for the roller coaster ride. Um, so what are, what are those it's two kind things? Of, it's, uh, one is that Palpatine, you have to read the book Darth Plagueis, Palpatine never married, he never sired any children. You need to know that. And um, when someone's dead, you can't just say Sith hold technology, on, hold on, hold on, Sith magic. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. Palpatine yeah. is not Darth Plagueis. He's Darth mm. Sidious. He was, he, was in, he was in the book called Darth Plagueis. Darth Plagueis was his... Mentor is that the word I'm yeah. looking for? Mentor. He's he's the one who told Anakin that Darth Plagueis came up with a way to bring people right. back from the dead, and that's right. oh, and that's how he thought he would get immortality. Um, yes, right. for An mm. for Anakin. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, mm. the book goes all the way up until 
Palpatine betrays Plagueis. He becomes the chancellor of the Senate. And at no point, he's actually disinterested in women and sex because he's such, such on a higher plane by being trying to be one with the dark side that doesn't even enter into his thinking. He never yeah, I was, sires. I was trying anybody. to do the timeline with one of my nieces. I got a niece, Chrissy's uh, niece, in Salt Lake City. She's a massive Star Wars fan. We actually went with her when we were in Cedar City in Utah, uh, uh, whatever it was, five years ago to see the first new Star Wars right. film. Um, <clears throat> she rang me up and she was like, oh, I was like, well, what? Tell me, I'm not going to go see it because I know I'll just want to burn the cinema down after The Last Jedi. So I don't want to put myself through that. Um, <clears throat> and she said, well, Darth, Darth, uh, so it turns out Ray is, uh, spoiler alert if for anyone who hasn't seen it and Sorry. still gives a shit, don't listen. Sorry. He said, oh, well, Ray is Palpatine's uh, granddaughter. I'm going, well, hold on. Well, so Ray is, what, about 20 in these films, early 20s? Yeah. Um, yeah. So going back, that means uh, she would have been... So, so, Darth, so Palpatine's son would have given birth to her 20 years ago, which means he would have had to have been about you know, somewhere around his early 20s himself, probably. Um, and these films take place like 30 years after Return of the mm -hmm. Jedi, which means uh, his son would have had to have been about 10 in Return of the Jedi. Now, Return <laughs> of the Jedi takes place maybe, uh, you know, Luke is Amidala's kid, Luke's about oh, right. I don't know, 17, 18 uh, in The New Hope, maybe 19, 20. So it takes place roughly 20 years after the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, so uh, that means somewhere uh, in between Palpatine becoming, you know, uh, 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 fucking what's-his-face, Sam Jackson making him look like right. a giant prune head um, with, by pushing yeah, the lightning yeah. back on him. <clears throat> Somewhere uh, after that, he found someone to uh, put his, stick his dick in. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I know he's the emperor, but uh, and he can go, <laughs> this is not my dick you're looking at. This is the dick you're looking for. Maybe. <clears throat> But this uh, is Aquaman's deck. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, fuck. Anyway, what it, was the other major issue you, you had? Um, that 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 Palpatine in any form could still be alive and pull so many strings for such a long time and do all the stuff he did. I won't say any more, but no, he was thrown down. Uh, no, it's he's gone. He is gone. It, it doesn't work that way. Just because you hook him up to some tubes doesn't mean he somehow came back from the dead. So I call bullshit. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it like a clone scenario, though? Not that I'm aware of. No. Unless I missed that, but I, I don't heard think Snoke so. was a clone. Snoke? Oh, no. Uh, no. He, the only thing Palpatine says is that he either created or he controlled or manipulated Snoke the entire time. I don't know anything about a clone. Oh, I'm not right. saying no, I just don't know. <sighs> Fucking convoluted. Anyway, Fuck anyway it's over. It's over. Fuck. Now. It'll never be over, Ray. Never. <laughs>
Anyway, uh, where, where are we up to? Anyway. Oh, yeah, quotes. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, getting back to defence bills, yes. called it a $738 billion Christmas present to giant defence contractors. But I, again, as I always mm. like to point out, it's not just your giant defence contractors that get to dip their nose in the swill of this. It's thousands and thousands of American businesses that make money out of your military yeah. spending. Yeah. Like my Everything sister from law yeah, oh, like your sister-in-law. What about your sister-in-law? <laughs> no, she's in charge of a company that writes software and they get a whole bunch of governmental contracts and military contracts. So, you know, yeah, they mm. get a big contract and they employ a lot of people. And so, yeah, yeah, if it wasn't for government contracts, they would be nowhere. Software, condoms, socks, anything that needs to be provided to soldiers yep. or administrative staff on a military base or the Pentagon – um, gets yeah. comes out of that money, right? Um, yes. Now, uh, 31 liberal organizations in the U.S. Uh, called it, uh, the signing of this, a near-complete capitulation by the Democrats yeah. in checking the Trump administration's militaristic <sighs> policies. Wisconsin Democrat Mark Pocan said at the same time that this administration has cut food stamps, Medicaid and reproductive health services from everyday Americans, this president wants to add more than $100 billion to continue endless and unauthorized wars, ban transgender troops, keep Guantanamo Bay open, allow the unchecked contamination of water supplies and establish a space force. And 85% of Democrats in uh, the House said, yeah, Sounds all right. Fair enough. So what's, the, what's your problem with that? Sounds all right to me. California Democrat Ro Khanna, who's a member of the House Armed Services Committee, issued a joint statement with Bernie Sanders calling the final agreement a bill of astonishing moral cowardice. But I think that Ooh. is how you'd have to describe 85% of the Democrats who voted yes. for this. Yes. Um, and yeah. If- I'm sorry, just in, in, in um, pretty much unrelated news, but I think it's important to be able to uh, juxtapose that um, with the uh, spending bill. Um, Trump has rolled back 80 environmental regulations that protect air, water, land, public health from hazards and climate change, like methane emissions, repealing the Obama-era clean water rule, weakening the Endangered Species Act, and rolling back offshore drilling safety regulations. Why? Because it costs extra money to make sure everybody's safe. So, win-win. And... Just getting back to our earlier story about yeah. uh, the bias in the media, something I meant to mention, there was a good story I read in Haaretz um, mm-hmm. out of Jerusalem, an interview with a Russian-born Jewish-American living academic um, whose name is Manovich. He's one of the world's leading sort of digital media theorists. He's done massive studies on millions of Instagram users, et cetera, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. um, he said, what I find terrifying, he was talking about growing up in Russia, moving to the US, uh, and the differences between Russia and the US. He said, what I find terrifying is that intellectuals in America actually believe what they read in the New York Times, which is to say (laughs) that they treat it as the gospel truth. Russia has many problems. What is interesting about Russia is that for the Western mind, it often looks like an irrational place. 
The US is the opposite. People's behaviors are extremely rational. It's like the most rational place in the world. But when I came to America, mm. I felt like I was surrounded by robots. He says, Ooh, Moscow is very progressive. It has the best Wi-Fi, Uber works great, and Russia is the third biggest country in terms of Instagram users. So it's basically a right. contemporary country, but it's also an authoritarian country. So is China, by the way, but China is efficient and Russia is not. But if you look at the New York Times, they only write about Russia from a negative perspective. So you want to know about the problem with fake news? It's the news is itself that is the problem because it's a very mm. biased view of the world. Tomanovich, right. says the author of this uh, piece, journalism is a flawed medium that we shouldn't fetishize. People assume the news is the truth and that fake news corrupted a perfect medium. He says it's not perfect, it's flawed because of its business model, which incentivizes negative narratives. So uh, really good article, um, talks a lot about digital media and that kind of stuff as well, TikTok, Instagram, etc. I'll put a link up to that in the show notes as well. But this is what I've been saying for years. Um, you know my thoughts on the New York Times. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, very biased. And it's not just the New York Times. This is true of vast majority of major news sources in Western democracies. When it comes to certain subjects, such as uh, non-aligned movement countries, Russia, China, Cuba, Vietnam, Korea, etc., North Korea, uh, you, you get a very Iran. You get a very biased view, right, from reading these sources because they're fitting in with the Overton window narrative, where you're allowed to say what you're not allowed to say. What the interests, where the interests of the elite and the owners of these publications and their investors and their advertisers lie. Um, more often than not, they're going to spin the establishment propaganda because that's where their bread is buttered. And it makes sense. That's what you would expect an yes. organization with those business models to do, to, to spin the approved elite oligarch narrative. Absolutely. And if I had and stock with, in those countries, I would expect them to lie to make me as much money as they could. Countries or companies? Companies. Sorry, companies. And with that, uh, I'm going to wish everybody a happy new year. Thank you for... Your yes. support over 2019, bullshit filter subscribers. Uh, I'm still, I'm still tossing up whether or not to keep doing this show next year or to replace it with mm -hmm. uh, another history show, um, one right. on the American Civil War, <laughs> <laughs> just to terrify you, Ray. Um, it's working, my friend. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just going to call it the Tyrant Lincoln. And um, see how we go. <laughs> she just go from there. I'm just wow. the whole thing's just going to be me, me comparing Lincoln to Stalin, uh, and not favorably. <laughs> you know, compared to the two, I'd rather be under Stalin, quite frankly. You had a better chance of surviving uh, under Stalin, numerically speaking, you, right? Yeah, than right. you did under Lincoln. If you uh, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, my book comes out. My my book, by the way, comes out on the seventh of January. If you haven't got a copy coming yet through the campaign and and the publisher's campaign, I'm still trying to get the paperwork in place, but they will be coming out to you within the next few weeks. But the book comes out available January seventh around the world. So just look it nice. up. Psychopath epidemic. 
order it from your local bookstore or from you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever the fuck. And right. uh, the film at this stage, it looks like we're going to be launching the film early March again globally. I plan to do screenings in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and then a couple of places in the US: um, Durham, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, maybe Columbus, Ohio, uh, maybe LA. Um, mm-hmm. There, sort of, and 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 you'll have the ability to organise your own fan screenings. We're using Fan Force, so fans can get their own cinema screenings if they want. Anyway, they'll be in the cinema <laughs> for six months, and I'll do. I'll come out and do some live Q and As with some of those launches, hopefully, uh, with some academics, uh, biblical academics on stage. We'll do a post screening Q and A, which should be fun, and um, then it'll be available for online uh, purchase probably six months later. But if you want to see it early, you'll need to go to a cinema. Um, yeah. Because that cool. is where the money is. Also where we're more likely to get um, protesters. That's really what I want is lots I, and lots of I can't of wait Christian... to protest. Oh, <laughs> I hope a. you're going to be the number one protester. With my Bible in one hand and, yeah. and a burning and cross in the other. Woo! Dick in the other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Ray, for uh, a fun year. I've um, I've it had a lot been. of fun working with you as always. Um, highlight of my week is uh, hearing your sort of whiny voice. Infectious. Say okay, next ow. to nothing for a couple of right. hours. But um, it's the way I do it, though. But you so, make me laugh. You're welcome. We'll be back Thank in you. 2020 uh, somewhere in some form. Be safe. Be good to each other. I'm holding it up with my penis, actually. (laughs) I don't think I could take anything to my penis. I'm not really into jabby-jabby. Nailed it. But go ahead, go ahead, pull down your pants. I can do it all day long. Don't move. Hold still. Believe me, not erect right now. I'm flinching, if anything, I'm flinching. You're not making any friends here. I'm gonna need a moment. Okay, hold on. Oh, I was thinking okay. Go ahead, people. Sorry, I feel bad now. I fucked your wife. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it the whole time. Probably did it with his dick. I'm just saying. I don't know. I wasn't there, but probably. Going to hell. <laughs>